We all know that I love making and recording my own podcast. Loudmouth is my heart and soul. But what's even more fun is that it's easy to do. And guess what? (laughs) You can do one too. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and anywhere else you can listen to podcasts. You can make money from it with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast right there in one place for free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Loudmouth Podcast. I'm your host here, Madison Hadler. As always, I'm very excited to talk about what I'm going to talk about today. I know it's been a little bit, you know, had them finals, had them projects, had everything to do. So I thought I would come back with a very, very interesting topic that I feel like a lot of people can relate to. Um, because I talk about things that people don't relate to all the time. Um, But just something that kind of came up during finals week especially, and has kind of crossed my mind as I'm about to enter the real workforce, become a real adult, you know, all those things that make you question your life. Um, Right now I'm sitting next to a very cute puppy. That's my roommate's puppy. His name is Jax. Um, So, you know, I don't really like to edit my podcast a whole lot because I think it's more fun to be just like real and also that's so much work why would I want to do that (laughs) but um so if you know he hits the microphone or something don't yell at me for it okay okay so today we're gonna talk about something that came up like I said kind of came up during finals week and I actually did a poll on my Instagram on my real Instagram uh, about it so first I asked Have you ever felt like an imposter among a group of fellow students? 89% said yes, and 11% said no. And I said, have you ever felt like the smartest person in the room? 50% said yes, 50% said no, which is like crazy, even numbers. Has a teacher ever made you feel stupid or invalidated for something that you said? And 88% said yes. So... One day after class during finals week, or the week before finals week, it was my history of slavery class, and we were talking about 12 years of slavery, we were talking about movies about slave life and slave narratives, and basically if they're accurate or not, you know, all that, and so I'd watched 12 years of slave and read the book, and so we were talking about it, seeing how accurate it was, and I was talking, and I was talking about the whole complex of a white savior in movies about African Americans. You know, they can't really, they're like doing great things, but they can't really do it without the help of somebody who's white, which I guess in some sense I understand, but it really puts a hindering on the whole idea that it was these people ideas that were making something better, or was this person on their own that made them capable of doing something. So, which is a whole different topic, but I was talking about that, 
And I said that about the year, the movie 12 Years a Slave because in the end, Samuel Northrup gets basically saved from being a slave by this white shop owner that is briefly introduced in the beginning of the film. Although he did get help from several people in his community to like save him from his slavery, it was very just thrown in there and it wasn't a real historical thing that happened. So I talked about that. My teacher kind of I don't think he meant it in any way, but he was like, well, that's how it happened. And I was like, well, actually, I don't think it was that exact person that saved him. And I think that still it just kind of defeats the whole purpose of the narrative um, that he worked hard, wrote letters, like tried to get himself out of slavery. And it was just this idea that some white person had to come save him. My teacher just kind of fought me on it. And it was fine. It wasn't that big of a deal, but... Leaving the, and I don't think he meant it in any way other than to just be like, well, that is accurate. Because then at the end of the class, he was like, maybe even if these things are historically accurate, maybe we should save the white savior complex from being a thing that happens so often in his cell, like um, Hollywoodized, Holly cinematized, maybe that's the word, who knows. And I was like, okay, yeah, like I think he gets what I was saying, but I don't think the way that he played it off just. It made me feel stupid, basically. And so I got kind of angry, and I texted my friends about it, and they were like, no, yeah, I would be, like, angry too. And I just, really what happened was I just felt like a dumbass in front of the entire class. And I think that we've all had that feeling at some point where we feel like we are barely getting by and we don't know anything in the slightest. And that's exactly how I felt when this happened. I was like, oh, fuck. Now I look like a huge idiot in front of a group of my peers and I know what I'm saying is true and I know that it makes sense but even if maybe it wasn't particularly true in this case like I know what I'm saying is valuable but still the way my teacher talked about it just kind of made me feel like an idiot basically and that kind of got me thinking about the whole idea of imposter syndrome which is what I'm going to talk about today and I posted those things on my Instagram because I wanted to see you know I'm not the only one who can feel this way, and I know that, but I wanted to see how many people exactly felt like this, and I actually got several responses to it, like DMs separately, and one was from a girl at my sorority. Her name is Sienna. She is actually in the business world right now. She graduated when I was a freshman, I believe, and she went to grad school and is now doing her thing, being an amazing woman, and she talked about how she started feeling it during grad school specifically. And she said, in grad school, I started externalizing my feelings of imposter syndrome with my colleagues. Being able to have these conversations with people and working towards the same goals as me really helped me to be aware of my internal hurdles and I stopped second guessing myself so much. It really helped me realize I know this shit as well or as better as everyone does here. So I started carrying myself with more confidence and it has helped me in the workplace too. I can lead meetings and stand up for myself so that my ideas and thoughts are heard. Everyone experiences imposter syndrome. We know we just have to know what we don't know and not let ourselves overshadow it what you do know. And I kind of talked about it with her and I was like, I think especially as women, we can feel this a lot more because we're kind of crossing over that private and public sphere that we're really not supposed to enter. So if you don't know what that means, basically the private sphere is women are supposed to stay in there and take care of the homes, take care of the children, nurture the family. And the public sphere is the business world, which in the olden days was particularly 
particularly where men inhabited. And women weren't really allowed to cross over into that. But obviously, as 21st century, we have kind of crossed over into that and started leading and dominating. But since we weren't originally supposed to be in that place, and since it's so hard for us to break that barrier, we feel this sense of imposterness. We feel this, well, shit, I'm not supposed to be here. And if I don't prove myself that I am as good and even better than these men, then I'm not going to get anywhere. And this is felt with women, with minorities, with literally anyone. And while I'm not saying this feeling is just for women and just for people of color and whatever, it can be for men and white men and everyone in between. But it's just these feelings are more emphasized whenever you are part of a minority because you feel the sense of I have to work twice as hard just to be half as good as people around me. So if you've ever felt like this, then you've definitely experienced the imposter syndrome. I 100% have felt like this before, even before this moment in my history of slavery class and probably almost every day in school. I think the only place where I really feel like I know a lot is my serving job at Chili's, which I've been at for almost two years now and can pretty confidently walk around and serve a bunch of people. But that never means that I don't feel like I'm constantly learning something there and like I feel this pressure to be the best server I can be all the time. Even with this podcast, I consistently feel like I have no reason to be talking about anything I am talking about and that no one wants to listen to anything that I have to say and so on and so forth. So, per the Harvard Business Review, imposter syndrome can be defined as a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persists despite evident success. Whoever experiences this seems to be able to internalize their accomplishment, however successful they are in their field. So, this idea of imposter syndrome was first described by psychologists Susan Imes and Pauline Rose Clance. Imposter phenomenon occurs among high achievers who are unable to internalize and accept their successes. They often attribute their accomplishments to their luck rather than to their ability and fear that others will eventually eventually unmask them as a fraud. When Clance and Imes first described the imposter phenomenon or imposter syndrome, they thought it was unique to women, which is kind of what I talked about as first. Although they've come farther and realized that it's really anyone who can feel like this, it is understandable that some minority groups may be especially susceptible to this idea. A 2013 study by researchers at the University of Texas at Austin surveyed ethnic minority college students and found that their Asian Americans were more likely than African Americans or Latino Americans to experience imposter feelings. Interestingly enough, the researchers also found that imposter feelings more strongly predicted mental health problems than did the stress related to one minority status, which... I mean, it's two different things kind of intersecting and causing a problem, so it kind of makes sense how this could happen, but I understand what they're saying. It's a way more, it's a bigger problem than what we usually make it out to be. Usually, we're just like, oh, shoot, I'm stupid as fuck, and I can't do anything, and we move on, but if you really start to internalize these ideas about it, it can lead to so many other things, as in depression related to the field, anxiety about the things you do, and whatever it may be. So where does this idea or these feelings of imposter syndrome come from? Some researchers believe that it has roots in the labels parents attach to their particular members of the family, whether noticeably or not. One example might be that one channel has been designated the intelligent one and the other one the sensitive one. 
Another theory is that parents can program the child with messages of superiority. So usually one-child families, the child is so fully supported that the parents believe that they are superior or perfect. And so then the child starts to put this onto them and really can create one, a perfectionist that gets anxiety no matter what they do, or this feeling of imposter syndrome, which can go kind of hand in hand. Many people who feel like imposters grew up in family that placed a big emphasis on overachievement, Overachievement says Imes. In particular, parents who send mixed messages alternating between overpraise and criticism can increase the risk of future fraudulent feelings. Societal pressures only add to the problem, which we all know is usually what happens. In our society, there is a huge pressure to achieve, and there can be a lot of confusion between approval and love and worthiness. Self-love, self-love and self-worth usually becomes inherently attached with achieving, which is another thing that I've realized as I'm becoming, um, as I'm going to be coming out of the academic world. It's like, well, shit, now what am I going to do to get praise? Like, if I don't get good grades, if I don't do whatever and whatever, how the heck am I supposed to know that I'm being successful or not? And another thing, so whenever my friend Taylor Perkins was doing, which I've had on the show before, um, whenever she was doing her senior seminar project, she really wanted to focus on this idea and how we are more than just our successes in academic worlds and whatever it may be. And she created this little thing. It was like a little day where you could come and write on a little piece of paper that said, I am blank, and you would choose whatever you were. And I wanted to say that I am driven because, I mean, as we all know, I very much am. But all my friends, specifically my friend Sierra, was like, well, are you just driven because you work really hard? Because, yeah, you do, but is that just because you feel like you're trying to succeed more? Like, what are you without the academics and without whatever it may be? And, you know, it really made me question because we are, we are put on this, I mean, we've been going to school for how however many fucking years. So, we, of course, we have this pressure to do well in school and to get the grades. Because if we don't, then we aren't going to be successful. We aren't going to find a job. If we go, don't get a degree right away, right after high school, then what the fuck are we doing? But this isn't always true. I mean, people in creative fields do it and they get the recognition that they deserve because they're using their brains for something else. Even that people who are academically focused and love learning, that learning process is a creative process for them. And it's not just focused on the grades, it's about getting more information. So one thing that I really want to work on and that I urge you to to as well as to focus on not those academic achievements, but focus on your feelings and focus on the way that you process the information and what it does for you and how you can put those things into an experience. Because focusing on those grades is what can lead to imposter syndrome. The imposter phenomenon seems to be more common um, more common among people who are embarking on a new endeavor. So, in other words, graduate students may be particularly susceptible, which is something that my friend Sienna kind of talked about. I mean, you're entering into this higher, higher education field, and you're really just sitting down and focusing on that one thing you want to learn, and you're doing it with these other people who have gotten into the same schools, and it can be hard to focus on how you individually are contributing to this especially as a woman and especially as a minority where you're kind of thought that you weren't supposed to make it into these higher academic groups and so when you are let in it's like well fuck now I got to keep my place here and now I got to keep going so this is 
really important. I know a lot of my friends are kind of thinking about going into grad school. So I just want to say that I support you all and that you're going to do great and amazing. But to understand that this is a feeling that's super common and that anyone can feel it. And probably most of those graduate students are also feeling it with you. I read something through some of my articles on this that kind of talked about how especially graduate schools where you have to go into like clinics so being a therapist being a doctor whatever it may be now it's taking that work and like really applying it to real ass people which can lead to these feelings of imposter syndrome even more or being a teacher even and like doing that student teaching because it's like well I've been sitting and I've been learning and I've been earning the grades but am I really worthy to do this job and secret is that you definitely definitely are so even if they experience outward signs of success people that usually go to graduate school and get accepted into a selective graduate program or after they ace and test they have trouble believing that they're worthy and instead they may just say it was good luck like you know it was a good day for test taking whatever it may be and that's how I got in but I want you to really sit there whenever you do make these achievements and they don't have to be academic achievements and look at them and be so so proud of yourself Even every day when I feel like I am not worthy to be doing a podcast and no one gives a fuck what I have to say, I think about how I started this and how I had a vision in my mind and now here I am doing it and talking about issues that, or topics that really interest me and I'm researching and even if no one else is learning from me, like I'm learning from this experience and that's really all that can matter. So some things that may happen once you start to internalize this feelings of I'm not good enough to sit at the table or whatever it may be is that imposters might start to procrastinate by putting off an assignment out of fear that they won't be able to complete it to the way that it should be completed or if they do complete it, it won't get a good grade. So why even focus on that? They may or they may do the complete opposite and completely over prepare and work so hard on this one little thing that could have been done in a few hours or whatever it may be and which really kind of plays into this idea of being a perfectionist as well ultimately the imposter phenomenon becomes a cycle so after so they're afraid of being discovered you're afraid of being thought out that you're a fraud the people are going to figure out that you don't know as much as you say you do or you don't know as much as the people around you these imposter feelings really go to the contortions of doing a problem project perfectly and that when they succeed they begin to believe that all that anxiety and effort paid off and that's the only way to get stuff done is if they are anxious about a project and if they are putting in their old work and they focus on nothing but doing this project so it can really lead into the cycle of more feelings of anxiety and kind of create that like pavlo pavlo dog ring where you know as soon as you get a project you feel anxious and anxiety and you're like oh well I'm gonna do good if I feel like that so I'm gonna keep feeling like that and which I mean as you can probably tell isn't really healthy for you so eventually they develop these superstitious beliefs and unconsciously they think that their success must be due to all that self-torture and that they're not gonna actually do anything unless they feel this anxiety and they're not going to succeed unless they feel awful about themselves basically while they do it. So an expert on the subject, Dr. Valerie Young, has categorized some of these feelings of imposters into subgroups. So there's the perfectionist, the superwoman slash man, the natural genius, the soloist, and the expert. So kind of going into these, the perfectionist and imposter syndrome go hand in hand as I've kind of talked about before. 
Perfectionists set excessively high goals from themselves, and when they fail to reach a goal, they experience major self-doubt and worry about measuring up. Whether they realize it or not, this group can also be of control freaks, feeling like if they want something done right, they have to do it themselves. So if you're not really sure if this is you or not, you can ask yourself some questions. Um, and Dr. Young is the one who provided these. It says, have you ever been accused of being a micromanager? Do you have great difficulty delegating? Even when you're able to do so, do you feel frustrated and disappointed in the results of the delegation? When you miss the insanely high mark on something, do you accuse yourself of not being cut out for your job? Do you feel like your work must be 100% perfect 100% of the type? For this type, success is rarely satisfying because they believe they could have done better. So even when they do get that mark on the test or they get a praise from their boss or they you know, succeed in some other creative process, finish that painting, whatever it may be, they feel like, well, shit, I could have done better. And it creates this vicious cycle of not feeling like you're good enough and not feeling like you've done it right and you're not cut out for it. So one thing to kind of get around this type of imposter syndrome is to own and celebrate your achievements. If you want to enjoy, avoid burnout, find contentment and cultivate self-confidence within the things that you create and find ways to celebrate yourself when you do create those things. And even when you make your mistakes, take them in stride, viewing them as a natural part of the process. Push yourself to act before you're ready. Force yourself to start the project you've been planning on for months. Truth is, there will never be a perfect time to do something, and you just have to fucking do it, which is kind of my feeling on fucking New Year's resolutions, but I've already talked about that, so we won't get into it. The next type is the superwoman slash man, or super whoever you may be. Since people who experience this phenomenon are convinced they're phonies among real deal colleagues, they push themselves to work harder and harder to measure up. So it's that idea that I said, work twice as hard to be half as good. This is just a false cover-up for their insecurities, though, and the work overload may harm not only their mental health, but their relationship with others. So some questions to ask if you think it might apply to you. Do you stay later in the office than the rest of your team, even past the point that you've completed the necessary day's work? Do you get stressed when you're work not working and find downtime completely wasteful? Have you left your hobbies and passions fall by the wayside, sacrificed to work? Do you feel like you've truly, you haven't truly earned your title, despite numerous achievements, so you feel pressured to work harder and longer than those around you to prove your worth? Imposter workaholics are addicted to the validation that comes from working, not with the work itself. So train yourself to veer away from external validation. No one should have more power to make you feel good about yourself than you, even when your boss, even your boss when they gave you the project stamp of approval. Learn to take constructive criticism seriously and not personally. And think about these projects just as a thing to do. You can put your all into them, of course, but don't overwork yourself and don't think that just if you don't do enough or you don't get that stamp of approval by someone that you did a bad job. The third is the natural genius. I feel like I'm doing Enneagram types here. We should have a test for these. But the third is the natural genius. Young people says, young Dr. Young says people with this competence type believe that they need to be a natural genius. So they judge their competence based on ease and speed as opposed to their efforts. 
In other words, they take a long time to master. To, if they take a long time to master something, they don't feel good about themselves, and they don't feel like learning is important. That they need to just know it now and know it right away. They set in their internal bar and possibly hide just like perfectionists, but they don't just judge themselves based on ridiculous expectations. They also judge themselves on based on getting things right on the first try. So if you're not sure this applies to you, ask yourself these questions. Are you used to excelling without much effort? Do you have a track record of getting straight A's or gold stars in everything you do? Were you told frequently as a child that you were the smart one in your family or peer group? Do you dislike the idea of having a mentor because you can handle things on your own? When you're faced with a setback, does your confidence tumble because you're not, you're not performing well provokes a feeling of shame? And do you often feel challenges, do you often avoid challenges because it's so uncomfortable to try something you're not great at? To go past this, you need to try seeing yourself as a work in progress. And accomplishing great things in life involves lifelong learning and skill building. For everyone, even the most confident of, pe of people, and even those people who have earned gold stars at the beginning of their birth. So don't beat yourself up about it when you don't reach your impossibly high standards, but identify specific changeable behaviors that can improve over time. The fourth is the soloist. And these are people who feel as though asking for help reveals they are phonies and are what Young called soloists. So it's okay to be independent, but not to the extent that you refuse assistance so that you can prove your well, your worth. Um, I actually just read a book. It's called I Might Regret This by Abby Jacobson, who is one of the writers and stars of Broad City. And she's written a lot of com comedic things. She's super great. I highly recommend the book if you're interested in anything about it. But kind of what she talks about, she talks about a lot of things. But one of the things she talks about is how being a girl boss is so so hard and how she's like if I ask questions then that means I don't know what I'm doing and that I'm stupid but eventually she learned especially working on a show that using that collaboration is so important to getting the vision to be set I mean you can't make a show all by your fucking self or you can and it would be a lot of fucking work I mean Shows have directors, producers, actors, writers, set design, costume design, makeup design, whatever it may be. There's so many little parts go that go into it. And you can't be everything. So I'm going to get into, if you're not sure if these apply to you, but I just want to make that comment that like, just because you ask questions doesn't mean you don't know what you're doing. It just means you're being smart and you want to get others' opinions on it. You want to make the project the best that it can be. So really learning to use everyone's ideas is so, so important. So if you're not sure this applies to you, ask these questions. Do you firmly feel that you need to accomplish things on your own? I don't need anyone's help. Does that sound like you? Do you frame requests in terms of, requ of the requirements of the project rather than your needs as a person? And the last is the expert. Experts measure their confidence based on what and how much they know or can do. Believing they will never know enough. They fear they fear being exposed as inexperienced or unknowledgeable. So some questions ask, do you shy away from applying to job posting unless you meet every single educational requirement? Are you constantly seeking out trainings or certifications because you think you need to improve your skills in order to succeed? Even if you're if you've been in your role from some time, can you relate to feeling like you still don't know enough? And do you shudder when someone says you're an expert?
There's always more to learn, but striving to bulk up your skill set can certainly help you make strides professionally and keep you competitive on the job market. But when these things are taken too far, the tendency to endlessly seek out information can be a form of procrastination. Start practice just in time learning, meaning acquiring a skill when you need it. So if your responsibilities change rather than hoarding the knowledge for false comfort. There's no shame in asking for help when you need it. If you don't know how to do something, ask a coworker. And if you can't figure out how to solve a problem, seek advice from a supportive supervisor or a mentor. These things are so important and not knowing enough is such a good part of the process because that means you and recognizing that you don't know enough is especially important. You need to understand that you're not going to know everything, you know, especially fucking me like at me right now. I'm a 21 year old. I have my own podcast and I'm in school working all the time and doing as many things as I can to get by. And I need to recognize that it's okay to not know everything. I haven't lived life as many of these people. And I think that's kind of the reasons why I literally love old people so much. Because I feel like there's so much to learn in life. And that if I don't know something on the topic, that it's okay. And I can go past it. Even when I feel like I might be an imposter for not knowing everything. But really, everyone's just fucking faking it till they make it. So don't take it personally if you don't know something. So I have some things to help negate these ideas of the imposter syndrome just to kind of, you know, use that checklist whenever you might feel like you don't really know enough and you're kind of letting it get to you. So one of these things is kind of what I just talked about, but recognizing these feelings when they emerge. Um, This is really kind of true about anything, but as soon as you start to feel like an imposter, recognize that. It's the first step to change and ensures that you will track these thoughts, what and where and when they emerge, so that you can recognize it for later. I've had these thoughts before. I've gotten through them before. I really know what I'm doing. I don't need to, I don't need to be afraid of this feeling. And rewrite your mental programs. So instead of telling yourself that they are going to find you out or that you don't deserve success, remind yourself that it is normal not to know anything and that you will... Find out more as you progress through life. Talk about it with your coworkers, with people who may feel like this, by doing an Instagram poll. Knowing that you're not alone is such an important part of it, and then you can kind of talk about what other people do whenever they feel like this. Reframe failure as a learning opportunity. Every mistake makes you grow stronger, so recognize these mistakes when they happen and learn the lesson that's going to come from them. That will ultimately help you feel like less than an imposter because when someone else makes these mistakes, you can help them too. Or when you're about to make the same mistake again, you can recognize that you've done this before and that you know what to do. Be kind to yourself. Remember that you are entitled to make small mistakes occasionally and forgive yourself. Don't forget to reward yourself for getting the big things right. Seek support through a mentor or or somebody else, somebody who's had these feelings before, and especially even someone in the same field that you're in. So going to other college students and being like, has a teacher ever made you feel stupid? How did you get past it? Or in the creative field, whenever you did a painting like this, how did you do it? I always go to painting because of my my roommate Morgan, my Morgan, because my roommate Morgan, and she always talks to me about that kind of stuff. So it's just the first creative thing I think of, but of course there's more than that. But going to someone will help you recognize that everyone needs help and that you can seek assistance and you don't have to do everything alone. And visualize your success. 
Keep your eye on the outcome, completing the task or making the presentation that will keep you focused and calm. Focus on what you need to do for that day. Focus on what you need to do for that project. Don't focus on everything else that's going on. Don't focus on what other people are doing, but focus on what you are doing. Recognize your expertise. So don't just look to those who are more experienced for help, but tutoring and working with younger students and being a mentor yourself can help you realize how far you've come and how much knowledge you have to impart onto other people. Remember what you do well. Um, This is one that came from IMES, IMES or EMS, whatever it may be. She encourages her clients to make a realistic assessment of their abilities. Most high achievers are pretty smart people, and many really smart people wish they were geniuses. But most of us aren't, she says. We have areas where we are quite smart and areas where we are not so smart. She suggests writing down things you're truly good at in the areas that might need work. That can help you recognize what you are doing well and when there's, when there's legitimate room for improvement. And finally, talk to someone who can help, not just your mentors, which although they are important, important, but if these feelings are really manifesting themselves in anxiety and depression and feeling like you really can't do anything right, go to a therapist, talk to someone about it, because I promise you they deal with that this more in the 21st century than every anything before. Because we have Instagram as highlight reels and because we have Facebook and all that, it's so easy to feel like you aren't doing enough and that you're not good enough. Because people are only po- posting the great things that happen to them. And while that's amazing and I love when people celebrate their achievements, don't let yourself feel bad because other people are doing other things. You are on your own goddamn timeline. And that's for myself too. Even doing this podcast, I need to recognize that I'm not going to become as famous as those other influencers that have podcasts because they have all the time in the world to create those things. And what I'm doing is still important and the things that I'm talking about are still important and necessary. And even if it's not important for anyone else, it's important for me. This is kind of like a way of my therapy, getting my feelings out and talking about them and really focusing on this creative work that I've put for myself in this identity that I've created myself as Loudmouth Podcast. So that is imposter syndrome put down for you in 30 or less minutes by me, Madison Hathler, a college student at 21 years old who feels like she's an imposter every goddamn day of her life. I hope that this helped you guys a little bit. And if you guys have any points and topics about, about being an imposter and feeling like an imposter, please, please, please let me know and give me any tips that you might have so that I can share with the other people on here and so that I can use for myself. So we're going to end this podcast by saying one thing, and I want you guys to say it with me. I'm smart, I'm capable, and I am worthy of every success that I will and have achieved in my life. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please feel free to follow me on Instagram at loudmouthpodcast or at loudmouthpod, sorry, and then email me loudmouthpod1 at gmail.com. I'd love to get in touch with you. Let me know some other ideas that you guys have. I'm going to be posting once a week regularly from now on. I know I say that every time, but 
I really want to get back on the grind of this. And in my final six months of college, I really want to kind of talk about all the feelings that I have around it to kind of help other people who may be feeling like that too. And actually, I do have a question. Once I've been thinking about this series topic, and I want to get your guys' opinions on it, is interviewing people of many different fields and seeing like just asking them about their job, how they got there, what they did, and blah, 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 and things like that. You know, as I'm about to graduate, I really just want to look into every possibility that I have for myself and really just anything because I love hearing how people got places and I love hearing how they got to the job, how they feel about their job and how they're helping different people in their job. So if you guys feel like that's in a a cool topic and you would love to hear about that, please, please let me know because I really do want to get involved in that. And it wouldn't be like people, you know, my age, obviously it'd be adults and people who are older and can really talk about the fields that they've been in for a long time. So let me know if that helps or if that seems interesting at all. But thank you guys so much for listening. I love you all. That's all I have to say for now. Happy 2020, baby. This year is the year for Loudmouth Pod to be great and do great things. And I'm manifesting it right here, right now. We're going to become big in 2020, okay? We're going to do it. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you later.